Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Revelation 13. So when we were in 12 a few weeks ago, you saw, well, John saw, and John wrote it down, and when we read it, we can conceptualize, visualize um, what he saw in great detail. And the message was titled The Big Picture, and it's important that I reference it because it goes basically from the beginning of time. Where does evil come from, the personification of evil? And John sees this picture of Satan in the symbolic form and um, how Jesus came to undo the sin that put everybody under judgment. And today, the message is titled The Foundation Set for the Antichrist. And we're going to probably learn some things that, you know, if you just hear people talk about it or you see some documentary on TV about this portion of scripture, it doesn't really paint this picture that's accurate. You know, we have this wild picture of something that is just out of this world. But this person is, we're not going to talk about politics. Politics are toxic, but we are going to talk about geopolitics. And there's a huge difference there. It's how are the manipulations and the juxtapositionings among the nations of the world going to set a foundation and a throne for this person to sit on it? This is a, uh, the Earth's future. It's largely a, a world, as we could see. We could see it in our culture, too, that's turning its back on God. It's rejecting the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And with a power vacuum that big, with the absence of God, God gave us free will. And if the Earth wants to turn away from him, he will give them that under their free will. But there's going to be a tremendous power vacuum, and power vacuums are always filled. So my picture, and, and I think it's um, my elder Bill, if, when he listens to this, you know, we've had this discussion about fruitless discussions. Who is the Antichrist? Pastor Joe, could you tell me who you think that might be? I think that's um, not a smart way to do things. I've heard people do it because what if you're saying something about some politician who it's not him and you just made yourself look foolish as the church? But... This, in my mind, again, as I'm not going to, I don't have a name, but this person will be, um, they'll have a silver tongue. They'll be great orator. They'll probably be very handsome, very charismatic, a great wordsmith. What might be said about this person now is whatever he touches turns to gold. This is the type of person who's going to fill that seat and basically take control over a global system that's going to control most of, much of the earth and plunge it into chaos. So we're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to see John's vision of how grotesque this person is. Now, remember, he's looking at it from a spiritual perspective. But if we saw the person pass us on the street, we wouldn't know anything different than just the person's appearance. That just goes to show you how powerful the spiritual world is. Remember, Jesus Christ, you, you want to have a, um, a comparison. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And there were rare occasions where earth dwellers could see Jesus's deity pretty much shine through his body. One was the Mount 
of transfiguration. The other one was when he was casting out demons and raising the dead. Who can do that? So even Isaiah tells us that if you look to Jesus, just as his form while he was on the earth, God didn't bring Jesus on the earth to be gorgeous and everybody to be wooed by his charisma. They, God, fully God, fully man, Jesus was in the form so that we really wouldn't be um, focused on the appearance, but focused on his deity. You see the difference? However, this Antichrist, who's a counterfeit of the Messiah, will have a lot of the outer accoutrements, which our culture loves. We're a celebrity-oriented culture. So we're gonna, I'm just going to put it together for you. Again, this is the Earth's future. And quite frankly, the church, from my understanding of the Scripture, is not going to be here for this, which is an awesome thing. So let's jump in. I'm going to read the verses first. Only ten verses this morning. Then I, the Apostle John, stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Very grotesque, but this is the spiritual thing that he's saying. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, his and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon, which is Satan, who gave authority to the beast, who is the Antichrist or the charismatic globalist. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Of course, that's Jesus. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads in the captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I just want to say that, you know, for many years before I was a pastor, I would come to church. My wife and I would come to church, and we had various issues, finances, you know, relationships. And you come into the church. You know, when you start to read something like this, you realize... There are going to be people, people left here on the earth that we may know and love who haven't or have right now are rejecting the way of salvation. They're rejecting Christ. And this puts everything in a perspective where you say to yourself, you know, what does the Lord want me to do with my life? What's the big picture here? Because the world is degrading very quickly and we're called to be salt and light. So what is it that the Lord would have me do so I can have a positive effect on my loved ones so they don't have to go through this? So one out of five is intro to the beast or the antichrist or the charismatic globalist. Remember, the heads, the horns, the crowns, very similar, if you remember, to chapter 12, which is Satan, but with some nuances. Okay, there's a different configuration among the crowns. There's blasphemous names now we see on the heads. And this is what happens when you give a man or a woman too much power. They start to think that they are a god. If you ever see somebody rise too fast in a, in a business and become a CEO or a place where you're working, sometimes it tends to get to their head and they start to act different as if their personality changes, as if they're a different person. How can that be? That's what power does to people, even a small amount of power. So 
the person rises so fast, so high, they're so focused on their own um, aggrandizement that they, you know, you see the blasphemy. Blasphemy is not always saying a bad word about God, right? People curse JC or whatever they say. It also is taking the place of God. We're going to learn a little bit about that this morning because that's a factor that a lot of people miss. The Antichrist has 10 crowns, most likely 10 independent regions or countries. Now, this is important. And, man, I poured through history books. I poured through, man, so many things to put this message together. Because the old system was a system of empires. Grecian, Medo-Persian, Roman empires that took over the world. And then gunpowder was invented. And then rifles and firearms and and then the breakup of the Roman Empire. And then we started to see nation building. France and Italy and, you know, the Middle East and countries in Africa. And now everybody has their own armies, their own gunpowder, their own rifles. So the old huge empires have kind of slowly morphed into nations. Isn't that fascinating? And you can see that reflected here between chapter 12 and chapter 13. Revelation 17.9, which we'll get to, says that the seven heads also represent the seven hills of Rome. See, the Roman Empire never died. It never died spiritually. Babylon never died spiritually. It lives on in false religions today. The Roman Empire lives on in political systems and nations today. So, yes, the emperors are gone, but everything got reconfigured and that geography is still there. Revelation 17.10 said that the heads can also be kings and leaders. Remember, this is a ten-nation federation from the old Roman Empire. And Europe was, for many centuries, was nationalistic. Nationalistic France, nationalistic Germany, nationalistic Italy, etc., etc. That's starting to morph into a globalist network, right? So we're going to continue. The beast, or the word for beast, is, is a wild animal. Satan, or the dragon, gives this evil purpose to this beast, this man who's totally carnal, totally not sold out for God, totally about his own desires and his own aspirations. You know, I, I think sometimes, and, and even in a country like ours, with all of its freedoms and the ability from somebody to go from poverty to becoming a millionaire, Sometimes we as Americans could get lost in the American dream and then one day we die and we're still working our tail off. And the, you see a person, boom, they die. They never even got a chance to retire. I've seen that personally firsthand. W- what's it all for? What are you leaving behind? What's, did you get to spend enough time with your family? And sometimes we have to look at money and say, it's not all about money. I, I need to have some personal time with those that I love. I want to influence people. I want to serve the Lord. Life is a balancing act, isn't it, folks? So this person is totally sold out for his own power. In, in chapter 12, the dragon shares the heads and the horns. The beast rises out of the sea. In Daniel 7 and Revelation 17, 15, the sea represents people. So not only will those who are so sold out on themselves and only sold out, all they can see is the top, the pinnacle. He, he comes out of the sea, out of the multitudes and the millions of peoples and billions of peoples on the earth. 
What it also shows us, too, is that in rejecting God, people will look for a worldly Messiah. See, God can sometimes put a damper on the things we like to do. He says, you know, I don't find that edifying. You know, that's not good for you. However, this, this man Messiah, this false Messiah will come and say, hey, if it feels good, do it. Whatever you want, I'm not going to put any moral restraint and the world's going to love it. So the beast, he rises out of the sea. He's this one world Messiah figure. The word is antichristos in the Greek, which people think anti, it's against Christ. Actually, there's two uh, words in the semantic range that I pulled. One means instead, one means substitute. So he's a substitute Christ. He's not the scary, and, and there, was movie made, there was movies, Christian movies made of the Antichrist, and he was scary-looking guy, really creepy-looking. I don't think that's what he looks like. I think he's very suave. I think he's debonair. I think he's alive today. Handsome, charismatic, articulate, globalist. The beast is also, again, the Antichrist. First and second John speak. Now, remember, Jesus, everything Satan does is a counterfeit of what God does. So Jesus has many names. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion and the lamb. He's the first and the last. He's the Lagos. He's the God, the son. The false Messiah also has many names, and we have to understand that. So you, see, you hear me using a lot of different terminology, and I'm pulling from different parts of the scripture. So first and second, John speak of the Antichrist. And here he's spoken of differently with respect to world kingdoms. If you'd like to on your own, Daniel chapter 7 really gives a lot of filler. Now, Daniel chapter 7 was written some 20, uh, 25, 2600 years ago, and it spoke about the last leader of the last kingdom, which was, did not happen in Daniel's time. It was impossible based on his description. But if you want to read it, it's Daniel chapter 7 on your own. You'll see there's a lot of things that are filled in here. There's a parallel between Revelation and, and Daniel 7. So the last dreadful beast, the earth's future, has all ten crowns, which bolsters a ten-nation federation. Now, in Daniel 7, you see the horns, right? You see these kingdoms. But here's the funny thing in Daniel's vision. One of the horns becomes personified. It's kind of creepy if you look at the vision in Daniel 7. There's these kingdoms, there's these nations more nations and the one the little horn um gets to speak and it says pompous things against god so this nation actually turns into it's personified it becomes a person it's kind of creepy if you read it and that's where we have that person who rises to take control over the other horns uh daniel 7 it says that the antichrist plucks up three of the horns so there's a little juxtapositioning going on in the world. Now, this isn't surprising because on a smaller level, it's believed that the Antichrist will, three of the nations don't necessarily want to get on board with him. People are starting to sense there's something wrong with this guy, and uh, he immediately makes war with them. So, uh, again, you look at even Brexit, right? Remember, I told you I was going to talk. I'm not talking about the two-party system here. But I'm going to talk about geopolitics. And there's a whole world out there, Christians, that we should be looking at some overseas news. Our media just focuses on things, just sometimes a lot of stupid things. And there's a whole world, a whole 95% of the rest of the world, there's stuff going on that we don't know about. But I keep up on this because it's my job. 
Uh, Brexit was something the people of, you know, so you, you look at the EU, you look at these uh, global organizations and you already see the growing pains. They're starting to grow. They want to have uh, sovereign nations fall under their auspices, etc., their laws. And uh, England was disarmed. Australia, a lot of these nations were um, major. They're major against Second Amendment gun control. And the people spoke and they elected a leader and they wanted to get out of the European Union. And this has been going on for years and England is still not out. So I think it's Boris Johnson as the leader. I mean, he could be out of office theoretically and they, they still haven't completely got out of the European Union. So you can do a little research on Brexit. So you see these growing pains with the geopolitics. Sometimes the people like, we don't want to be a part of this. We like our sovereignty, but the leaders are going in with it because they're all kind of from the same political class and clubs and such. Stuff is happening. Uh, verse two, the final empire, uh, again, has aspects and elements of the prior empires in Daniel seven. He speaks about, um, Greece, the leopard is Greece, and we talked about this when we went over Daniel. And I look at, so you see these different animals are part of this beast, where in Daniel 7, the animals were separate empires. But remember, this beast is the culmination of all the empires. So this beast has, um, comp it's a composite of different empires that went before it. So I look at Greece, swift to conquer. Well, the Antichrist kingdom, remember, there's only seven years to do this. This is the last seven years before the Lord comes back in his second coming. That's not a lot of times. He's got to be swift to conquer. Um, he's got the feet of a bear, which is the Medo-Persians. The Medo-Persians were known for joining two empires, which was unusual back then to get them to get along, to, to take out Babylon. So the last empire will have that ability to join different nations, right? Um, the Lion of Babylon which Babylon was the mother of false religions or the, you know, the apex of false religions, but the mouth of that lion, which the elements of Babylon in this new kingdom will bring false religion, you know, again, further pushing God out of it, maybe. And there's laws in different countries that you can't proselytize, churches can't be built. There's a lot of more countries than you would know that have these laws against what we do on, you know, freedom, right? There's a police officer out there <laughs> and we have the freedom to do that. But in a lot of countries, they don't. And altogether is the culmination of it, it all fits into this one horrible empire. Now, let's just look at this little caveat is not everyone in these kingdoms were evil, of course. So when the Egyptians rose to power, not all the Egyptians, usually the, the, the aristocracy, the ruling class were the problems. The Roman Empire had Christians and Jews in it. So it didn't mean that these everyone in these, they were stuck. Somebody rises to power, you're stuck under this person's um, auspices or rulings. You know, so just, you know, North Korea, Iran have some awesome people in those countries. Unfortunately, the leadership is corrupt and they don't care about their people. But the dragon or Satan, he says it in here in verse two, he gives power, position and authority. And again, how could that be? Well, if you remember in Matthew chapter four, and this, this is, so I'm always going to do this. I'm going to say, this is what the Bible says. This is Pastor Joe's opinion. So we're going to move into my opinion here. In Matthew chapter four, Satan tempts Jesus. He, you know, puts forth the three temptations. 
And my understanding of why Satan does this is he figures, I've already always known God the Son, and I can't mess with him because he's God. But now he's in the form of a man. Hmm, I wonder if I can tempt him or weaken him or do something. So he tempts him. And, of course, Christ passes all three tests. One of the temptations was for Jesus not to go to the cross, but take the circuitous route to get all the kingdoms. Satan basically shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. Of course, he's got the son. He's not going to do that. So it doesn't work. But the false Messiah, Satan is going to tempt him with that. And he's definitely going to take it, obviously. He's ripe. Verse 3. We see the counterfeit resurrection here. And I talked about this, the counterfeiting in in my opening. So this is two out of five, the counterfeit resurrection. Everything Satan does, again, is a counterfeit of the original. I have to laugh and people get this backwards. Sometimes anti-Trinitarians will say, well, the Babylonians and the Egyptians had a trinity of gods. You're absolutely right. But who came first? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Remember, everything Satan does is a counterfeit of the original. So what came first? God came first. So here you have this counterfeit resurrection um, and the world marvels. He seems to be dead. He is dead by all empirical understanding. And then this man, who no one's ever done this before except for Jesus, comes back to life. Does he get wounded? Is it an assassination attempt? Zechariah eleven seventeen seems to indicate that it's a sword or an edged weapon. Okay, in my former life as a police officer, I did three presidential details. Pretty, pretty exciting. The Chinooks came down, you know, there's three of them in case there's a, you know, surface-to-air missile. You know, they hide the president. You don't know which helicopter. It's really fascinating thing to watch. Three different presidents. The Secret Service was the first layer. We as police were the second layer in case somebody attacked and, you know, We had to be that outer perimeter. But I was really close to those presidents, like physically. And uh, there's a lot of things you have to go through. You know, there's scanners, uh, there's metal detectors. So this, remember, this Antichrist is going to be a political leader. Again, here's Pastor Joe's opinions, Zechariah 11, 17, and a lot of other scripture. What I believe is somebody tries to assassinate him. Now, I'm not suggesting this, but you could take a polycarbonate material And you can hone it down to be as sharp as a a metal sword, just so you know. And again, I don't suggest it. And you would not, the metal detectors wouldn't detect it because it's polycarbonate, right? It's not being picked up. So my impression of of this guy is there's an assassination attempt. He's stabbed or slashed with an edged weapon. He's immediately taken to the hospital. Maybe they shoot the guy who's assassinating him. There's been few in, in our nation in some attempts. And they take him to the hospital and he's pronounced. He's DOA. And then before they go to zip up the bag, he comes back to life. It's pretty wild, isn't it? So this is, this is scary. This is serious. And I'm going to say that if anyone here has not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, why would you want to go through this time? I have friends that do that. Well, if I see you disappear and the Lord takes you, I'll know. I, yeah, but you're stuck for seven years in this horrible place, you know. And wherever you go on the earth, unless you live off the land, you're not going to escape it. So, uh, and then people are like, well, I'll become a prepper. Oh my goodness. I hear all the different scenarios. And I'm like, why would you want to live on this earth under this guy? 
And under the judgments that are coming down, the revelation judgments, that we, people have all these crazy reasons for why they just don't stop running from the Lord and, and just follow him. You know what I'm saying? Give your heart to the Lord. So, uh, so there you go. My, my past life gave me a little filler, I believe, with this. Um, it's quite fascinating when you look at it. In John 5, Jesus told the world he largely would not be accepted as the Messiah, but that the Antichrist would gladly be accepted. And I'm paraphrasing. You can read it on your own. Why? Because Jesus on the Sermon on, on the Mount, when, if you read it, oh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Well, read it word for word. It's convicting. You realize when you read the Sermon on the Mount, man, I, can, I can't save myself. And you see more of a need for a Savior. However, this false Messiah will come and tell, like I said, everybody what they want to hear. And, you know, you see this in, I call the Christian culture with some of these false teachers. They tell you everything that you want to hear, and you're, you'll gladly take your checkbook out and write a check and send it in. I got people sometimes when I preach, I preach the truth, they get mad at me. This is what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? I want to follow the Lord. I don't want to follow these false teachers. So we continue. Verse 4, the counterfeit incarnation. Three out of five. They worship the beast and the dragon who gives him power. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen through 15, I've quoted this many a times uh, over the last few months, is that Satan comes as an angel of light. That's why, again, the, the Christian movies, all right, they're cool, you know, the series, this guy's the Antichrist, he's scary and frightening looking, but Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, and it says that his ministers, false teachers today, they're not of, of him, Matthew seven twenty one through 23, is that they also disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness. So people who aren't discerning and don't have the Holy Spirit are not going to recognize this person for who he is. And there's going to be something that happens. This man dies, he gets a mortal wound, and he comes back to life. And I don't know, is it Satan is just actually now inside of him, pulling all the strings? I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but... But the world is going to marvel that this person was dead and now he's alive again. Right? Spirituality. You're, you can only worship one of a few things. You, you know, you're either worshiping God or you're worshiping everything else. And the everything else is not of God. I hear people say they talk to dead relatives. They worship and contact spirits. Boy, you, you better be careful with that stuff. How do you know that, the, the, I just read, I just told you, 2 Corinthians 11. How do you know that's not some demon pretending to be your relative? So if anybody's into that or you're, you know, you're planning on doing that, don't do it. And I, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but for your own sake, you're going to open a portal that you, you're not going to be able to close. So there's all kinds of spirituality out there. They say, who can make war with the beast? Now, again, I'm, I'm putting some filler in here. I don't normally do this, Right. But everyone loves a hero. Don't we love when a, a soldier goes off to war? We, we don't love that he loses a, leg, a limb or a leg in a, a, a landmine. But what we do love is when he comes back and he gets a prosthesis and he runs a marathon. And you, to me, it brings tears to my eyes. And he crosses the finish line and he's got two prosthetic legs. And it's like, this guy's amazing. Like the heart, the courage, the spirit. Unfortunately, when this guy seems to be dead and comes back to life, they're going to look at him as a hero. It's going to more bolster his popularity. I had a friend, I have a friend who's German. He speaks German. 
And we, you, I would, you know, I was so interested in World War II and just these dictators, you know, how, how people were so mesmerized, Stalin and, and Hitler. And, and all I heard was, I don't speak German. And he would just do the, Hitler would do those things. And um, he translated it for me. He goes, Hitler made himself to look like a Messiah figure. So he got the people's hearts. He duped them spiritually. Very sad. And that's what's going to happen in the future. Are we surprised? There's dictators all over the world today as we speak. We have problems in our country, but at least we have a representative government. We still have some say. So continuing on, um, I think our culture, the world's culture, is ripe for this. Today we worship ballplayers, celebrities, rock stars, politicians, Supreme Court justices, even pastors. I've seen people talk about pastors as if it's almost a worship. Not good. Not good at all. But, you know, in communism, you worship the state. That's a fact. There is no risen Christ. They'll shut your church down if they even let you have one. And this globalism is going to be a globalist cult. And we're starting to see little bits of, of that today. You know, people, if they're not worshiping God, they will worship something, even if it's themselves. So as God the Son took the form of a man, Satan will have his own counterfeit Messiah. Now, again, people may ask me, well, why does God allow this? Again, God gave us free will. And this is a world where largely the world has pushed out any, any semblance of Jesus Christ. Um, Europe, a lot of areas of Europe are almost post-Christian. In the United States, there's a culture war, and some of it is against Christianity. A lot of people despise it. There was a, I'll just do this quick example, relatives. Um, he was at a popular place in the area where everybody goes when the weather's nice. Um, just a place, open markets and stuff. And he's on the phone because he got a phone call. He's active in his church. And they were discussing church business. He kind of went off to the side and had this discussion. A man with his kids walked by, heard part of the conversation. He said, I'm on vacation with my family. I don't want to hear about your effing church. There are people who are just hostile. Why are they hostile? They didn't even know the guy on the phone, right? He wasn't saying anything bad, but this is, you know, you're, we're seeing um, synagogues being attacked, churches being burned. We're seeing a lot of things happening. Why would, I get, I get it. Everyone's frustrated today, but why churches? Why semblances? Why? I don't understand. Jesus never did anything. He just wanted to uh, give everybody salvation for free. So there's a lot of interesting things happening that we're seeing today that are, you know, there are signs. Um, verse 5, he speaks great things and blasphemies. Great doesn't always mean good. It just means grandiose. It means, you know, great in a bad way. In Daniel 7, again, the little horn was given a mouth to speak blasphemies or the Antichrist. I'm um, speaking of it back then. Um, all right, so 42 months again, right? We keep covering this. The Great Tribulation is from the middle of the seven-year period all the way to the end of the seven-year period. I just want to read to you two quick scriptures because last time, um, you know, if I say something wrong from the pulpit, if somebody corrects me, the next Sunday I'll go up and say, yeah, I made a mistake, and we corrected it on the recording. This actually wasn't a mistake. It's just something that that I wanted to say, and for some reason I sk- my eyes skipped over it. Very important. Daniel eleven forty one, speaking about the Antichrist, he says, He shall also enter the glorious land, and it's in capitals, it's understood as Jerusalem, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. If you take a map of Edom, Moab, and Ammon, 
It's on the southeast and east portion of the Dead Sea. Got the geography in my head. And then you, you take it from the old, you know, the old maps from your Bible. And you take a modern map of the Middle East and superimpose them. Edom, Ammon, and Moab makes a perfect border and delineation of Jordan. Remember we talked about that? How did Daniel know this some 2,500 years ago? I told you about my friend in the military, the politics of Jordan, how they're friendly to Israel. So when this anti-Semitism and this persecution comes heavily from this uh, Antichrist, the Jewish people will find safety in Jordan. So as of today, King of Jordan led a, a, a squadron of planes to bomb ISIS. They're, you know, they're friendly politically with Israel. So you can see all these things starting to line up in verse 44. There's a lot to this. It's a very long chapter. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. So um, the Antichrist will be, he's going to start to see that he's bitten off more than he can chew. And just like the Roman Empire and the, the borders of his kingdom, there's the people are starting to rebel. So he has to redirect his troops now at some point away from Israel and start to deal with the other problems from, the, from his borders. Because not everyone in the world will be, will be sweet on him, so to speak. Okay. Verse 6. Verse 6, I label uh, 4 out of 5, is the counterfeit Shekinah glory. Remember, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, the most detestable, the most blasphemous thing, blasphemous thing, is this Antichrist who's allowed that, who, who you see the, 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 the last temple being built, the Shekinah glory, right, in the temples of old, God said, my physical presence, my Shekinah glory will dwell there. So the Jewish people back in ancient days marveled. At some times you could actually see this, this image, this smoke. They couldn't even figure it out. Coming and going into the temple and residing there. And the priest once a year would um, take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it uh, for the Day of Atonement. When this third temple is rebuilt in our future, this man will stand in that place as if he is God. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 24. When you see him standing in the holy place, flee. Get the heck out of there. Because that's a sign that he's going to turn on the, on the, the treaty he made with Israel and he's going to attack. Um, Second Thessalonians 2. He, Paul tells us that he will sit as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I don't know how much clearer you can get than that. So today, and, and I have to laugh, some even celebrities, I guess it's part of their catharsis, they, they'll scream on a beach, I am God. It's kind of laughable. But this guy will say, I am God, with all the power and might of this globalist you know, uh, movement. And that's actually going to be scary. Okay, God's tabernacle, God's name, and those in heaven who are blasphemed. As we go through these verses, verse 6, he will vilify the temple and then inhabit it as the true God. Verse 7, he was granted to make war with the saints and prevail. Untold suffering for a world aggregately rejecting God. But, and people will say to me, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to the disciples that the gates would not prevail, the gates of hell 
would not prevail against the church. So how do we reconcile this? The answer is that the church, the age that we're living in, is gone. The Lord has removed them. Um, Some awesome things are happening in his tabernacle in heaven, things that he's doing with us. It's very exciting. But the world is now starting to descend into chaos. Um, So there are some words in the scripture that are contextual words. And the word saint is a contextual word. In the dispensation of the times that we're living in, it's us. We're the saints. We're the church. But when the church largely is removed and this sporadic um, people coming to Christ, they are also saints, but they're in a different harvest, so to speak. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And again, so I would say come to the cross now. He says, every tribe, tongue, and nation. In Daniel and Isaiah, we went through regionalization of the world and um, how the Antichrist will have power over many corners of the world. And I said before, I followed the United Nations, uh, some of the things they do, NATO. And they have tanks, they have planes, they have people who are willing to you know, put on the uniform. They have rifles, they have ammunition. Uh, but they're largely benign, you know, right now that they're not... You know, they're called up when needed, but they are mostly a peacekeeping force. But with the wrong leader, they could say, well, we're not peacekeeping anymore. Now we're imperialistic, right? So we look at some of these global organizations. And did you know that the United States has resisted? Again, lawmakers, Supreme Court justices, did you know? And I I read last night, I was going through some of the Supreme Court justices, and I, I typed into... And you you get these law journals. Oh, my goodness. They give me a headache. I can never be a lawyer. Too many words. But you see some of these justices, how they've, when it comes to constitutional, a lot of Americans don't know this. You don't see this in the news every day, right? It's my, my job to go outside what we're being fed and look at the peripheral or the ancillary issues that have the propensity to really affect us in a negative way. So when it comes to constitutional issues such as Second Amendment, First Amendment, even 14th Amendment, in deciding cases, Supreme Court justices have cited international law. Do you realize that? Thankfully, Souter, Breyer, Ginsburg, thankfully they um, lost that they were not in the majority. Because now you have bodies, and this has happened in Britain, it's happened in Australia, it's happened in a lot of places. You have these global bodies that make these laws that now affect us as Americans. So uh, our right to self-defense, excessive taxation from certain treaties that could be imposed on us, right? These things are happening. And sometimes the margins are they're 5-4 one way or 4-5 the other way. But these are things we have to look at. Again, when this, the last part is going to really kind of seal the deal here. Um, Verse 8, two types of people left on the earth, those who worship the beast and the dragon and those whose names are written in the book of life. And my question to you this morning is, is your name written in the book of life? Do you know that it is? Now, you can. I'm going to tell you that mine is, and I'm not saying it because I'm arrogant. I'm saying it because I give all the credit to Jesus. He died for my sins. I've trusted in him. And that's cool. One day, and I don't even know if my name's going to be Joe DeProsimo anymore. I mean, this is some indication. It's kind of cool that God changes our name. Like, it's the name that he wants for us, not necessarily our family name or the first name that our parents gave us, right? It's a neat concept. What is my name going to be? Um, maybe it'll say, in parentheses, Joe DeProsimo, old name. 
So I'm looking forward to see what it is, but I want to encourage you that this morning your name can be written in the book of life. God has given you that choice and that chance at salvation. Fifth and last point, swimming against the tide. Let me just say that verse 10, he who leads in the captivity shall go into captivity. Um, I believe that what it means is that anyone who takes part in this gruesome um, and, and you, you, saw, you saw this with the Holocaust, you know, the guards would go on trial and they'd say, oh, I couldn't help it. I was just following orders. And, and the, you know, the United States and the allies said, yeah, we reject that. You're, you're gonna, we're going to punish you for this. So there's going to be people who are going to lead in this imperialistic campaign in the takeover of certain lands. And God is just comforting. There's some parts of the Bible, you know, that are written for when we're gone. All those friends that you talked about, about Jesus, and they harden their heart, and, and you disappear, and they end up, I hope they get my Bible. I got notes everywhere, sticky tabs, I got highlights. I mean, it's like the study Bible now. Uh, but you read certain things after this event happens, and you go, oh my goodness, I'm living in those times. And there's been movies made about it, etc. But sort of a, a version of he who kills with the sword will be killed with the sword, or he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. In other words, God will institute judgment so you know we have to take heart we have to let these things play out also it says some will endure i see that some will endure tribulation here but this is your opportunity for confidence and endurance god calls his saints to be patiently enduring to be faithful okay i'm going to show a video but before i do first of all there's so many controversies today drives you nuts I'm not a fan of Netflix because of some thing that they put out recently. Um, I feel that it's, it's, it's not good with young children and stuff. And there's a lot of Christians who have canceled their... I never had Netflix, but unfortunately, this is the only media that has this other exposure or expose. Um, so what I do, I don't want to give Netflix any of my money. So basically, I wait till it comes out on YouTube, and that's when I'll look at it or show it. So that's my disclaimer in case anybody comes to me afterwards. But um, you, you have to ask yourself, we're, we're Americans, right? We, we, we like to be Americans. We like the, the diversity. We like that we can come together and we can choose our own destiny, the American dream. So how does so much of the world check their mind at the door and follow this movement? Well, when I taught 12 years ago, Google, Twitter, you know, Facebook, some of them weren't around, some of them were barely around. You're going to see in this video people who have left Google, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm trying to think of who else. You'll hear them. It goes kind of quickly, but really try to focus on it, how these big media companies manipulate people's minds. So uh, check it out, and I'm going to wrap it up. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident. That's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. 
I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. Thank you, Ruth, for alerting me of this. I got, there's a lot more, too. There's more. Uh, Facebook did, um, it's bordering, I think it's bordering on illegal. Um, you, can, you can now find all this information until they ghost it. But they are, they're controlling people. They're controlling thought. Seriously, the left and the right, oh, my goodness. Like, people can't be friends if... One has a Trump sign and one has a Biden sign. I mean, you know what? I come from the day when I was a kid, there was no social media. I don't even think there was an internet back then, and there barely were computers. So it's people my age. We sound like the old. I see a lot of laughter, and now I know how old everybody is. We're like the old curmudgeon saying, get off the computer. But it's true. The media, the computer... Uh, you know, Google, did you know that Google in China, because they want that communist Chinese money, mm, it's so tasty. Google agreed with the Chinese government to censor its people, to keep the Chinese people in darkness. Did you realize that? We know more about probably coronavirus than they do. They're doing that here now. They're starting to censor us. They're starting to implant, inf- I'm not saying this. One guy was from Twitter, one was from Instagram, one was from Facebook, one was from... It's not me. It's not a conspiracy theory. These things are happening, folks. And this is why when I harp on, and I sound like an old curmudgeon, when I harp on, get in your Bible, Christians, and stop. Get shut the doggone TV and computer off. Go outside. Look at the fall. The leaves change. You know, breathe some fresh air. Our kids are depressed. They're anxious. They're suicidal. Why do we have these problems? And a lot of Christians, point five was swim against the tide. A lot of Christians, oh, there's a new movement. They're impulsive. Just like we're impulsive to put something on Facebook, on Twitter, we're impulsive as Christians to go after movements and organizations and cults before we've vetted them. Or the Holy Spirit's like, hey, wait a minute, will you stop? God will let us go if we want to go, if we want to ignore him and do it our own way. So when, when we talk about this, 12 years ago when I taught this, I'm thinking, and I didn't deny God's word, but I thought to myself, how could the world 
How could Americans be so foolish and go for this guy? Now I know. Because they're all globalists. And whatever's good for the global community, they're good for. Because it gives them more power and they make more money. What we should do is we should be petitioning our lawmakers on both sides to institute antitrust, the old archaic antitrust laws. They have way too much power, and they do have some immunities from liability, but that is if they are objective and they're not objective. Like he said, if you're a Republican, you're going to get information that makes you more angry at the left. If you're a liberal, you're going to see more, oh, they're all racist. This is what they do to us. I've been preaching this for a long time in this church. We have to be different. We have to swim against the tide. I got friends who are liberals, conservatives, libertarians, and I like a little bit from each, the good stuff from each. So I'm hard to figure out, but maybe not always. (laughs) This is where I'm going to leave it, is that we have to get serious about our Lord's business. We do. I personally use social media as a, a platform to, especially we do it in the church, we have a church Facebook page to put stuff on there about Christ and the apologetics class. And so we're using it as a force for good, but some people are not. I can tell you that my caseload in counseling has increased since this year, as, as my other pastors has. We're seeing the negative effects on this world. So, yes, this is about the Antichrist, but it's also about a system that's taking, it's sweeping Christians up with it. And there's a few, you know, there used to be a day when Christians, we were in the minority. But I'm seeing a lot of Christians who want to be in the majority. They don't want to be ostracized on social media. They don't want their friends to be upset with them. We're seeing this. I'm going to get a lot of, I'm going to hear a lot of good comments from you after this, because I know some of your kids and some of you are struggling with this, even as young adults. So ask me now if I'm scared or worried. Of course not. You guys know me. I can be passionate about what I know what's right, but this stuff doesn't bother me because I know what I believe. I believe what's in this book, you know, and we've been doing things as a church as a long time in, in a mixed community and we do it well. And we need to show the outside world that we can do it well and we can get along because it's Jesus Christ who anchors us. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.